Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. TMA has a long, proud history of promoting patient rights, advocating for physicians, and providing real solutions for your practice. We can accomplish so much when we unite in one voice. Call the TMA Knowledge Center at 1-800-880-7955 or visit TexMed.org to find out how you can join or renew your membership today. everyone and welcome. Thank you for joining us today to learn about the history of the doctor's bag. My name is Audrey Griffin and I'm the Archives and Museum Exhibits Assistant here at the Texas Medical Association. I'm one of the staff members for the History of Medicine Committee and under the committee's direction we manage the TMA Archive and the Free History of Medicine Gallery which is located in the TMA Building Lobby here in downtown Austin. My guest today is Ariane Felicitas, the medical student representative on the History of Medicine Committee. Ariane, thank you for being with me today. Hi, Audrey. Thanks for having me. As Audrey said, my name is Ariane, and I am a, a medical student representative on the History of Medicine Committee. I'm also a fourth year medical student at the University of North Texas Health Science Center, Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine in Fort Worth, and I am going to be starting psychiatry residency this summer. So my fellow medical student representative, Ryan, and I were brainstorming on ways we could talk about the TMA artifact collection. Ryan suggested that we try releasing a podcast episode on this topic. Podcasts are a great way to learn new information while on the go, so we thought it would be fun to try to share some history of medicine through this avenue. During this past fall conference, Dr. J. Marvin Smith III our committee chair suggested today's topic, which is the history of the doctor's bag. Audrey, could you tell me a little more about the TMA archive collection? Some highlights of our collection include a second edition of Andreas Vesalius's Anatomy, which was donated to the TMA in 1964 by Dr. Hampton C. Robinson in commemoration of the 400th anniversary of Vesalius's death. We also have an extensive selection of stamps relating to a variety of medical topics, and these are known as the Leckish Collection because they were collected through the lifetime of Dr. Kurt Leckish. And additionally in our collection, and this is particularly relevant to today's topic, we have a lot of doctor's bags. Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple of my favorites. One of my favorite bags in our collection is one that's actually made of elephant hide. Its original contents were not donated with the bag, and we don't know much about the bag's origins, but it stands out among the others in our collection because the others are primarily constructed out of pigskin or cow leather, so this is super unique. Also in our collection, we have a doctor's bag that was owned by past TMA president, Dr. Ruth Marie Bain, who served from 1982 to 1983. Dr. Bain's bag was donated to the TMA archive by her family, among many of her other personal items that we have. It's made of black leather and it contains medical supplies as well as a prescription pad. It's really interesting to see how a doctor's bag can give us a glimpse into the personality, life, and practice of a physician. And Ariane will address some of these topics 
more later in this episode. Awesome. Thank you for that description, Audrey. So at the start of my medical school career, I received a blue bag from my um, advisory college. So advisory colleges were just smaller colleges within our medical school so that we could have more direct faculty interaction and guidance. This bag was made of nylon or a similar material. You have to excuse my poor knowledge of textiles, but basically it was a soft bag and it contained our advisory college's emblem on one side. This was my first and so far only doctor's bag. It often housed my statoscope, otoscope, and other diagnostic tools needed for physical exam labs during my preclinical years. I also brought it to the refugee health clinics I volunteered at since our initial evaluations would take place inside of clubhouses of Fort Worth apartments with significant refugee populations. So as you can imagine, these clubhouses um, didn't have a whole lot of medical tools readily available. My blue bag served as a convenient way for me to store the tools that would help evaluate patients in an under-resourced setting. Although they may not always have been blue and emblazoned with logos from medical school, doctor's bags have been a part of our history for centuries. According to David Domery's article, a historical account of the doctor's bag, the doctor's bag's earliest roots can be found in the Hippocratic Corpus in 350 BCE. The Hippocratic Corpus describes how physicians at the time should carry a small case that contains the necessary tools for patient visits. Additionally, Domery mentions illustrations of physician instrument cases found in an Egyptian temple from 100 BCE. So we can gather that for many centuries, some variation of the doctor's bag has been essential in ensuring a physician is well-equipped for whatever needs arise during patient visits. During the 18th and 19th centuries, country doctors would require medical bags that could be conveniently placed in their saddlebags. A common bag of this time was the Gladstone bag, a leather bag named after the British Prime Minister William Gladstone. Gladstone bags are really interesting because they're similar to a small suitcase in the way that they're designed. They are made of leather and they are rigid and they can actually be opened up into two equal sections like a suitcase so that all the contents in the bag can be easily viewed at once. The Gladstone bag was used by other professions in addition to physicians, as is referenced in Oscar Wilde's 1891 novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, in which the author states, what a way for a fashionable painter to travel, a Gladstone bag and an Ulster. An Ulster is another form of fashionable luggage from the time period. So now that we know a little bit about the background of the doctor's bag, Ariane, could you tell me what kind of stuff was included in doctor's bags throughout history? When we examine medical practice in the past several centuries, we see a decline of house visits over time, especially by the late 20th century. During house calls of the past, physicians needed to carry the diagnostic tools we would see in clinic now. This could include stethoscopes, tongue depressors, ophthalmoscopes, and a thermometer. Conducting lab tests also used to commonly be in the purview of traveling physicians. Before the creation of urine test strips, this could include carrying Benedict's reagent to boil with urine and test for glycosuria. Ariane, I am not well-versed in medical terminology. Could you describe what glycosuria is and why it would be important to test for? So 
For our listeners who are not familiar with the term glycosuria, this word basically indicates the presence of certain sugars in urine. Um, this could be due to a variety of reasons, a common one being diabetes. There is often significant variance when examining the contents of doctor's bags throughout history. However, some sense of uniformity could be found among Australian surgeons in the 19th century who are part of the Army or Navy. The Australian Army and Navy required surgeons to have approved sets of surgical instruments stored in a box. Surgical instrument catalogs of this time would feature approved sets, which were often handsomely packaged and pricey. Additionally, the first volume of the Cornell Conferences on Therapy, published in 1946, also presented guidelines on doctors' bag contents, such as medications that would be the most useful in medical emergencies. Furthermore, environmental considerations need to be taken in the assembly of a doctor's bag. Dr. John H. Sheldon examines his own medical bag in a 1980 article published in the Canadian Family Physician Journal. Dr. Sheldon conducted house visits in Newfoundland where he faced challenges such as ampules of medication freezing in the cold temperatures. Concerned of decreased potency, Dr. Sheldon contacted the manufacturer of Lasix who confirmed that the quality of the drug would not be altered by freezing and thawing. One of the articles we discovered during our research for this episode is an article by Winnie Tang that examines the doctor's bag of Dr. Wei Chung Chow, who graduated medical school in 1916 and practiced in Hong Kong during his career. Similar to Western doctors, Dr. Wei Chung Chow routinely attended home visits. Winnie Tang notes that Dr. Chow's bag differs from the typical Gladstone bag because it is more rectangular and suitcase-like. Dr. Chow carried glass slides to prepare pathology samples and a variety of medication vials and ampules. I found Dr. Chow's bag particularly interesting because it demonstrates that across different cultures, the essence of the doctor's bag remains relatively constant. It serves to enable physicians to readily have the tools required to provide appropriate quality care for patients. Also, as part of our research for this podcast, we explored the portrayal of the doctor's bag in media. An article by Dr. Martin Duke titled The Doctor's Medical Bag in Art, which was published in 2005, explores the topic using examples from art of the 19th and 20th centuries. He notes that in each work of art, the bag serves as the physician's identifying factor. One example Dr. Duke used in his article is Children's Doctor a 1949 painting by Andrew White, which shows a woman physician from two angles. On the left side of the painting, the woman looks pensively in a distance. On the right side of the painting, viewers are supposed to deduce that she is also a physician by the black leather medical bag she carries beside her as her back is turned away from viewers. Another example found in the article is a 1934 painting by Graham Sutherland titled Doctors Prefer Shell commissioned by the oil company for advertisement purposes. What is interesting about this painting is that there are objects that symbolize the physician, but no figure serving as the physician themselves. The objects include a stethoscope, a bottle of medicine with a corresponding spoon, and a black medical bag. Additionally, a top hat and gloves are included in the painting, which were worn by consulting physicians and specialists of the time. 
1948, Life Magazine published W. Eugene Smith's photo essay, Country Doctor. This essay follows Dr. Ernest Seriani, who is a general practitioner in rural Colorado. During his time practicing, Dr. Seriani performed a wide range of duties, from suturing lacerations and irrigating earwax to surgery. One of the photos in this essay is of Dr. Seriani's medical bag. The hefty contents of his bag are suited for the array of duties he performed during his practice. Some of the tools in his bag included a stethoscope, sphygmomanometer, a flashlight, a suturing kit, numerous vials of medication, and gauze. The things they carried was written by Tim O'Brien and published in 1990. It is a collection of short stories about American soldiers fighting in the Vietnam War. One of the characters, Rat Kylie, is a medic. O'Brien describes Kylie's medical bag as a canvas satchel filled with morphine and plasma and malaria tablets and surgical tape and comic books and all the things a medic must carry, including M&Ms for especially bad wounds for a total weight of nearly 18 pounds. I appreciate O'Brien's description because he combines both the healing properties of traditional medicine with the emotional significance of objects like M&M chocolates. For many years in history and art, the doctor's bag has played a significant role in practicing medicine. The overall popularity of the doctor's bag has declined as common medical practice moved away from house calls and toward clinic and hospital settings. The doctor's bag still has a role in current times, but its style and contents have evolved over time. So I want to leave you, our listeners, with some questions. What would you consider to be your doctor's bag? Maybe it looks like a traditional leather Gladstone bag. I would guess more of you probably consider your backpack as your doctor's bag. Really, it's whatever helps you carry the tools you need to provide the best care for patients. What are these tools? If you're like me, it's a mix between traditional objects like my stethoscope and newer devices like my smartphone that houses my up-to-date mobile app. Lastly, how do you see the doctor's bag and its contents evolving in the near future with the innovations currently happening in medicine? I would like to thank Ryan Dow and Dr. J. Marvin Smith III for helping develop the idea for this episode. Our committee TMA staff members, Audrey Griffin and Claire Duncan, Barbara Timms, our TMA librarian, who helped immensely with research for this episode. Dr. Steve Stephenson for sharing the resources he uses for his neuroscience course at Dell Medical School. And Cheryl Kroviak for producing this episode. Thank you so much, Ariane, for being here with me today to discuss this topic. For TMA members, please reach out to the Knowledge Center if you have any historical questions. We can help connect you with scholarly articles or find relevant resources within our archive. We also have a traveling exhibits program, which is available to all members, where banners containing abbreviated versions of our past exhibits can be delivered at no cost to you to your institution for display. To see available exhibits and to learn more about the History of Medicine Committee, please visit textmed.org forward slash history, which will be linked in the description of this episode.
For all our listeners, we have a new exhibit that will be premiering in our Free History of Medicine Gallery in summer of 2023, and that's going to be the greatest hits of the TMA archive. And we have some really exciting artifacts that are going to be on display, including our iron lung. So please check that out. We hope you found today's episode interesting. Remember to like and follow to receive every TMA Practice Well podcast episode. And until next time, stay well.